accept our praise and our love and our thankfulness this morning and help us to do your holy will. Open our hearts that we might understand and be touched by the word of the Lord. In Jesus' great name, and everybody said amen. amen. Well, if you have a Bible, I would like to turn your attention to the book of Matthew, first book of the New Testament, Matthew Matthew chapter 27, all right, Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, or the spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent or shook. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, that would be Jerusalem, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I'm glad each and every one of you that's here this morning. I'm going to ask you to turn off all cell phones before somebody goes off. Try to get ahead of the curve on that. All right. We live in a technologically oriented society, don't we? We have to keep that in mind. Okay. You know, the Bible teaches you plainly that uh, from the teachings, for an example, Matthew chapter 24, just a a few chapters before where we just read, uh, you read about Jesus giving some warning here, some end-time signs, some end-time signals, things that be good for us to know ahead of time, things to help us, kind of like markers, you know, kind of like markers, that you would get an insight to what was going to take place in the time in which you live. Uh, The Word of God is very in tune and very in touch, and it has kept the church ahead of the curve for, lo, these last 2,000 years. There are things that are taking place that are not puzzling to us uh, while you still are kind of amazed, and it certainly gets your attention. Uh, For the church, it's not a big surprise. We have been anticipating a lot of things, and we anticipate them in faith, all right? In the book of Matthew, chapter 24, as well as Mark, chapter 13, as well as Luke, chapter 21, These three chapters cover basically the same thing. Uh, As you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four accounts of the one gospel. And the Lord used four different individuals to uh, give you some insight to uh, what took place then and there as he walked the face of the earth in the flesh. God is a spirit, and he chose to, even invisible, but he chose to show himself visibly by producing a body, produce that body by speaking the word over Mary. 
the same way he produced the sun, the moon, the stars, and the earth and all the heavens and everything else, uh, you have to understand that there came a time when he spoke the word and uh, that which was conceived in Mary was done by his Holy Spirit, by his Holy Word. He said it and it was and she brought forth the flesh known as the Son. And the Bible teaches in that Son, in that flesh, dwelled the fullness of the very God bodily. God being a spirit, invisible, showing himself visibly. John 1 and 1 said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it said, and the Word, that was God, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so he being invisible, he decided to take upon him the form of flesh and servant and so that he could be handled and felt and touched and witnessed as he went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil, and then gave that flesh on the cross as a sacrifice for the sin of the whole world so that everybody could come and find forgiveness. Everybody would have the opportunity to repent of their sins and to be baptized in water in the name of our holy God, and his name is Jesus Christ, and that your sins would be completely forgiven. What a deal, huh? Such a deal. That all your life, every bad thought, every bad word, every bad act, everything that you know that was transgressing, your conscience was heavy with it, can be forgiven. And you can have a, a clean, fresh start because you'll be born again. As Jesus said, you must do. You must be born again of water and of the Spirit. We have a natural birth brings us into a natural world, and we have a spiritual birth that brings us into a spiritual realm, into the, the body of Christ. The, this is the church house, and it's going to keep us out of whatever type of weather is going on out there, control the uh, weather climate in here when it's working, and that's nice. But uh, keep in mind that you have to get, you must get a spiritual birth, and Jesus made that clear. He said we must do this. He's made it available to us that everyone is called to repentance. Everyone is called to bring forth a worthy repentance and that you can tell the Lord not only that you're sorry, but that you're going to change directions here. You're going to turn away from uh, the enemy. You're going to turn away from lawlessness and sinfulness, and you're going to turn towards him who is God and that you're going to acknowledge his name, Jesus Christ, and you're going to begin to worship him and become what the Bible teaches, a true worshiper, okay? A true worshiper. You're going to worship him in spirit, and you're going to worship him in truth. He's not looking for human worship. He's not looking for natural worship. He's looking for true worship, spiritual worship, and it's according to what his Bible teaches, his word teaches. You can't let uh, religion supply to you uh, what you think is some form of salvation when, in fact, it is not. He, Jesus said, for in vain, that means it's worthless and it's useless, it's obsolete. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, the natural things. He said the natural man does not understand the things of God, neither can he understand those things. So it's very important for us to realize that we need a spiritual experience that's going to give us, in other words, that born-again experience and place us into the body of Christ. And we can begin to do things the way that God wants it done. We can please the Lord. And everybody said amen. amen. All right. So in Matthew 
here. Jesus is in the days of his flesh now, in, in the visible uh, manifestation of the eternal God where they could sit down on a hillside with him and he would teach them and when he would walk around with them and talk with them uh, and they would drop what they were doing and follow him and they, they knew that he was not just an ordinary man and he was not even one of the old prophets risen up or come in the spirit of one of the prophets but that he was the Messiah <clears throat> he was the Savior he was the one true wise only eternal God Everybody said amen. amen. And so, <clears throat> as he sat down one time, for an example, and he began to teach them what their attitude should be, okay? Well, now he's teaching them in one particular day. Uh, they wanted to know what was going to be the end time, what the signs were going to be about the, that would signal the end time, uh, the things that would signal the destruction of Jerusalem and the things that would signal his coming, and the things that would signal the end of the world. And they, he began to answer these three questions, and it's count, uh, given to you in Matthew 24, as I said, as well as Mark 13, and then in Luke 21. And one of the things that he made clear was that there was going to be, uh, verse 7 said for, well, let's back up to verse uh, 5. And he said, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. That's verse 4. And then he goes on to say, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He said, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Earthquakes. You know, God has used different things to get the attention, or at least to attempt to get the attention of man, to try to uh, awaken him to the fact that he's going to return. He's going to come back for his church, which is universal, made up of people of every race, Every nation, every language, every tongue, every continent, people are going to go in what is called the first resurrection, going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. People that are in the graves that had the right experience and relationship with him are going to come up out of the grave. People that lived in this New Testament time are going to come up out of the grave because they were born again of water and of the Spirit, because they were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We live in that time, so we must do that. We must be born again. And we're going then, if we're in the grave, we're going to come up out of there. If we're alive and actively involved in His work and His church, when He returns, we'll be caught up together with them to meet Him in the air, and so shall we ever be. One of the things that He has used, among things that He has used, has been earthquakes. Earthquakes. Uh, I'm going to uh, tell you that uh, Luke, as well as uh, uh, Mark and Luke, tell you the same thing, that there would be earthquakes in different places. So it's not going to be just one place, but it's going to be in different places. I don't know if you heard this morning, but they just had a 7.2 earthquake on the Richter scale. It was 7.2 in, uh, in Turkey. Very serious. They fear that many are dead. There have been earthquakes 
uh, in places all over the world. And you know, there were earthquakes uh, back in the, even the Old Testament times. The difference being, I think, is that we are more globally connected nowadays, uh, the mass communications. We have satellites that are up in space and that are able to uh, beam different broadcasts all over the world, and there's cameras that can take pictures, and uh, the insights that we're given very quickly, the things that come to us uh, in different ways uh, as far as a knowledge. Uh, it can, and then once it hits anybody, as somebody told me the other day, uh, they said, this is a privacy act that you're signing. And I said, yeah, yeah, in 15 minutes, the whole city will know. You know? So you've got, you've got, uh, you've got Twitter, you've got, you've got Facebook, and everything else that's going on. Uh, and and, and uh, iPods and phones and computers and internets and so all of these different things uh, obviously uh, things can travel a lot quicker and so it is that there were earthquakes back before the year 1900 but it has been said that there's been more earthquakes in uh, from 1900 to 2011 than there has been in all the centuries before that well, I would agree, yes, more than likely, there's been more. Uh, the difference, though, again, is we're more aware. There's better reporting. Uh, there's better chronicling of these things. Uh, for an example, in the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah, chapter 14 and verse 5, it said it this way, And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, ye shall flee like ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. This is a prophecy, an insight to the Lord returning with his saints. And that's a big difference because I've often taught the preposition that you want to pay attention to when the Bible talks about him coming for his saints and then coming with his saints. So when he comes for his saints, and as people get the idea that a saint is somebody that everybody sat down and voted on, uh, that's not true at all. That's not what your Bible teaches anyway. That may be what man teaches, and they may come up with all kinds of criteria, and, and, and they ignore what the Bible criteria is. The Bible makes it clear that a saint is a, is a separated one to serve, that serves God and they have the experience that God said they had to have, and that is, number one criteria is you must be born again. It makes you a believer in Jesus Christ. You get baptized in Jesus' name, and you get the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you've got to be to a certain, to an age. I don't, there's no given age in the Bible, but you've got to be to an age where you know the difference between right and wrong, where you realize that you're sinning, or you're doing it wrong, or you feel the conviction in your heart that I, I've been doing wrong. You could be five years old, you could be 10 years old, you could be 105 years old, or anywhere in between. But the point is, we're not going, we have no Bible whatsoever to baptize a baby, someone that knows nothing. What we do with a baby, the Bible teaches we can dedicate the baby unto the Lord, and we will do that. No, we, and we do do that, and there's no problem with that. But we're going to let the baby get to an age to where the baby knows that it's doing wrong, saying wrong. It's being taught uh, in, in, your, in your home and, and your, your Sunday school. 
going to be taught from the Word of God, and that child is going to realize that it has... I had a little girl brought to my office this morning that wants to be baptized. I think she's probably about 11 years old. We said, well, we'll get your mother's permission or your father's permission or both, and we'll be happy to baptize you at 11 years of age. We pretty much figure that child has enough mental maturity to know right from wrong. So, in so doing, you want to get an experience that's going to make you a saint. God makes saints. Man doesn't make saints. God makes saints, okay? He separates people unto himself. They become holy people. They become godly people. They become, they are, they are born again, and they are raised in the body of Christ, and they are taught the word of God, and they have an experience that gives them a desire for the things of the Lord and not for the things of the world. And as we are a part of his church, the body of Christ, as the saints of the Lord, the separated ones unto him to be light in this world, to be a part of the city that's set upon the hill, and that light that shines to people everywhere by the life that they live. These people don't cuss. These people don't tell dirty jokes. These people aren't into pornography. These people are not involving themselves with all the wrong things in life. They're not doing that. They've been delivered from that. They have no desire for those things anymore. These people don't do drugs. These people do not drink alcohol and get drunk. We, people that are born again of water and spirit, they get a new attitude. They get a new heart. They get a new way of looking at things. There's a new person walking in their shoes. They've been cleaned up. They've been sanctified. They've been made holy, separated unto the work of the Lord. And he's coming back for those people that have made themselves ready. They have been involved and they want to be involved in what he's doing in the earth. They're not living for the world and they're not following Satan any longer. They're not going to be led by the enemy's spirit to go in wrong directions. They're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Lots of people claim a spirit, but their spirit ain't holy. That's the problem. They got a spirit all right, but it's not holy. You want that Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit of God. And that's what he said he promised, that he would pour out of his spirit in these days, in these last days. And we are living in the end of the last days. Everything that you see and read and know of that is happening, if you realize the Bible is teaching these things and has taught these things, then you realize that the end draweth nigh. We're getting closer and closer and closer to the fulfillment of the Scriptures. And when the Bible said, when this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ, this death, this burial, this resurrection, this death being repentance, this burial being water baptism in Jesus' name, and this resurrection being receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then he said, as that's been preached to all nations, he said, then shall the end come. There are things to be fulfilled up to that point. As Jesus said, if he didn't go to the cross, as he said in the days of his flesh and his visible manifestation, if he had not gone to the cross as a prepared body, uh, then he said that the scriptures would not be fulfilled. He could have called 10,000 legions of angels. He could have made one prayer and had all the angelic help he needed. And everything would have, he would have been delivered and there would have been no crucifixion. But then you and I wouldn't have an opportunity, would we? 
we'd be just as lost as we used to be. And we'd have, be without God in this world and without hope. But because that body was prepared as a sacrifice, and because he is the flesh, he, the spirit in the flesh, made that flesh to be obedient unto the death, he went to that cross and he gave his life. He said, I have power to lay my life down. He said, I got power to raise it up. And so he did destroy this body, he said, this temple. And in three days he said, I'll raise it up. And he did. And so here we are. We are this many thousands of years down the road. And we got to realize where we're at. And that's what the Bible's trying to teach you. So pay attention to some of the signals that are going on. One of them being earthquakes. Wake up to the fact that it's not, as some fellow said about something just recently, decided it was just a coincidence. You better set that You better tell yourself coincidence is just God doing something without signing his name to it. He did it anonymously. Well, it's not so anonymous to us who read the Word of God. We recognize the hand of God. We know what's going on. This should not catch us by surprise. Everybody said amen. amen. So you want to you be sharp. You want to be awake. You want to be alert. You want to realize what's happening in our day and in our age. You want to sit up and take notice. You don't want to just uh, let life go by and, and your, your mind is dull and your eyes are blind. You know, that's what the enemy does. He blinds the minds of people less than any time they should see the glorious light that shines in this truth and in the church. You want to awaken to that. Don't live your life, go through in, uh, some kind of motions like you're sleepwalking or something. Don't allow that to take place. You ask God, wake me up. Wake me up to reality here. Wake me up to truth. Maybe you've got a family and you should feel responsible for them, that you want to make sure they get what's right, that there's going to be something beyond this world, that they're going to be thinking about that. They're not going to be uh, all built around, what did Jesus say, a person's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Some people are very confused, and it's all about who can have the most toys, and toys that are going to rust and, and come to rack and ruin. You want to get your heart uh, in a place and let that be the place of treasure. Let treasure be in the gift of the Holy Ghost. That you realize that uh, the moth can't get that and the thief can't break through and steal that and it can't rust or canker because it's in the right place. You get your mind and your eyes on heavenly things. The Bible talked about where we have a more enduring substance. It's not something that's going to, uh, again, rust out or wear out. It's going to endure. It's going to endure whatever comes against it. You get an experience. You get this truth in your heart. You begin to realize that there's things that are going to take place that's going to, as it was when Jesus gave his life on the cross. It was an earthquake, friend, that shook everything. It was a great earthquake. It shook and, and the rocks were rent. They busted apart. They burst apart. And the veil in the temple, the Bible teaches, was rent in twain from top to bottom. It ripped. And that signaled that the presence of God was out. The mercy of God was out. He was no longer going to be restricted to just one group of people. But this was going to be for everybody. And they argued one day. And it was brought out scripturally. And that put an end to the argument or the disagreement among them. The scripture was brought to light and said that he would be a light 
to the Gentiles, meaning anybody that wasn't Jewish. That meant the whole rest of the world, that it was to the Jew first and then to the Gentile or the Greek or the rest of the world, that everybody, everybody could have an opportunity now. That's what it was trying to signal, that mercy was out there. And she's running loose and she's reaching for everybody. Everybody can find the mercy of God. Everybody can find the experience of God. That you'll have, as it is written, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. There will be no excuse in that day. Because Jesus paid the ultimate price in the flesh. He gave it on the cross. And because he made it clear, there is a plan here from the Spirit. And that plan is being fulfilled. Every day it's in fulfillment. That's why when he was headed to, to uh, Jerusalem, to knowing, full well knowing in the days of his flesh, he knew that they were going to take him and they were going to beat him and whip him and spit on him and uh, array him in purple and, and uh, mock him and tell, smite him on the face and tell him to prophesy as they blindfolded him and who did it and uh, all kinds of things that they were going to do. He full well knew and that it would end in a, in a horrible death on the cross of crucifixion on Golgotha's hill. He knew all that in advance, yet he persevered and he went right on up to Jerusalem. People were trying to distract him and pull him to the side. Come over here. Let's go there. Let's do this. It's a beautiful day. Come on. But he would not at all be distracted. He went straight on up to Jerusalem, full well knowing what was awaiting him, but that the scriptures had to be fulfilled so that people like you and I could be saved. People could be born again, that there would, he would purchase. What did the Bible say about somebody that's faithful, uh, particularly a man faithful in the Lord, that they purchase to themselves a great degree of boldness in the faith, confidence in the faith? Well, there's the same thing, friend. He marched up there confidently, knowing full well what they were going to do, but knowing that I have power to lay my life down and I got power to bring it up out of there again, and I'm going to do that. He told them, you go on, you destroy this temple, and the natural-minded, silly things thought he was talking about a big building. How easily man misses the will of God and the intent of God, and they, get, they miss it, and yet they formulate it into some kind of religion with all kinds of commentary and man ideas. I tell you, set aside all of that and go to the Word of God. Get the chapter and verse. Get the subject matter. In vain, I tell you, it's worthless to go through the motions of religion. It is worthless. Jesus made that clear. He said, I'm looking for true worshipers. One woman told him, oh, look where we are. We're on the well here in the middle of the city, and our father so-and-so, he came here. This is a holy site. And Jesus said, woman, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you worship. You're thoroughly and totally and completely mixed up. Let me help you. If you knew who you were talking to, if you knew where you were at, you would listen. And I would give to you water that you would never thirst again. I can give you something and nobody else can give. I can bring it to you. And so he did. And you know, she went out, she went away from that little meeting and she told everybody and brought back the whole entire city. Boy, you talking about getting stirred up. You talking about getting convinced. You talking about getting excited. She went and told him. And I guess, I guess she went and told everybody because, because Jesus said, I want you to go and, and tell your husband. I want you to go tell your husband what I've told you. And she said, Well, I have no husband. He said, Yeah, I know. He said, You got five. Woo! Woo! I smell lawsuit right there. Nowadays. Right? Nowadays, you can't hardly say anything. Somebody's going to take you to court. 
And he told her, friend, and she said, I believe he's a prophet. Oh, brother, how easily sometimes you can convince people, right? But when, it, when the, what they need to be convinced of, somehow they fight that and they resist that. And uh, I, I trust that the Bible teaches you that you should be easily entreated, that you can be approached, you can be spoken to, that you don't have a veil up or a shield up or a wall up, and that you, you, you insulate yourself so that uh, the word can't get to you and the preacher can't get to your heart. Uh, you get in trouble that way. That's what your Bible teaches about people that died wandering in circles all their lives, and yet the promised land was just across the river, like being across the canal here. But they, they wouldn't go because of unbelief, because they put walls up, because they resisted because they stopped up their ears and they would not listen. One preacher, the Bible teaches you, came down uh, to preach to them and gave them such a good historical lesson. But the problem is, when you read some people their history, they get mad. Well, see, the little woman didn't get mad. She went out and told everybody, and they all came and heard what Jesus had to say. Well, some people don't react that way. Some people get mad, you know, and they get upset, and, and they, they just stomp around. Uh, it's, it's going to depend on your attitude. It's going to depend on your reaction. It's going to depend on the condition of your heart. It's going to depend on your spirit. You uh, submitting yourself and humbling down. You don't have to do any great big things to get right with God. You don't have to do a great big thing. All you have to do, the Bible teaches you, is number one, walk humbly with Him. You humble yourself down. You get that pride repented of. You humble down and you become someone that says, yes, Lord, instead of no, Lord. Okay? You become someone who runs to him instead of runs away from him. Everybody said amen? Amen. All right. So you don't duck. You don't run. You don't hide. Now what happened to Adam and Eve? Why did they do that? Because they did it wrong. That's why. Because they disobeyed and they did it wrong. And when they did it wrong and the knowledge of the fact that they'd done it wrong, man, they started hiding. Their conscience went to work. And they started hiding. And the Lord came to greet them and fellowship with them in the midst of the garden in the cool of the day like he had been doing. Only they weren't there. And he's calling for them. And they said, well, we're over here in the bushes. Well, that's a bad signal right there. What are you doing in the bushes? What are you doing, you know, in a lot of places and thinking that God isn't seeing? You know, there are people that, and today, in our technologically advanced society, I tell you, it makes for a lot of sneakiness. It makes for a lot of underhandedness, under the table. Uh, a lot of people misuse instruments or inventions that uh, are in our generation, and they use them for the wrong things. You better understand that we, we are in the church. We are in the body of Christ. Or you're here today, I hope, to want to be. And upon being born again and being in the body of Christ, then we don't do those kind of things. We, we want to use things for the right purpose. You know, when you use something for the wrong purpose, that's a perversion. And we don't want to be a bunch of perverts. We want to do things right, goodly and right in the sight of the Lord. And everybody said amen. There's a lot of pressure in our society to do wrong with things, to misuse things, misapply things. But, you know, if you get in touch with God and let him get in touch with you, then he can help you to do the right thing with things, okay, that you won't uh, misappropriate funds, for an example. You won't misuse inventions. You won't seek for evil and 
what did he even say? Don't take your light and put it under a bushel basket and then shove it under the bed. All of that's telling you about hiding and sneaky and, and doing things uh, without people knowing and, and, and not wanting accountability. Uh, and that's where people begin to get in great trouble. And they wind up uh, spending their lives. Uh, what, what did it say? Uh, one fellow made the statement, became very famous. He said, um, what a tangled web we weave when at first we begin to deceive. I'm quite sure he drew that from the scriptures. It's, it, you wind up lying. You wind up cheating. You know, spirits are linked together. They travel like wolves in packs. And uh, even the scripture said when a devil is casted out of somebody, goes back and he tries to get seven or eight more and that are worse than him. And they want to come back and get back in. But that's where if you're involved with the teachings of the word and you're in the church and you're faithful that he's going to find out that he can't re-enter he can't get in there because greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world one of our preachers one time he uh and we don't do this but he he was a very sensitive man and he was definitely directed of the holy ghost and he stopped walking down the street because he felt directed to go in a door and the door he went in it was a place where they had these seances and there was a woman sitting there all painted up with her crystal ball. And he sat down across the table from her and looked right at her. And she started to do her little thing. And the first things you know, she started to wail. And she started to scream out. And that spirit rose up within her and began to say, the spirit that's in you is greater than the spirit that's in me. Friend, I want you to know the Holy Ghost is greater. And you don't, we don't misuse that. And we don't uh, go, I'm not going to go lay out in the middle of the road and count cars because I have the Holy Ghost. You know, we don't tempt the Lord. We don't do that. But I am telling you, we are going to find ourselves under attack. You are going to find situations that will come up. Sometimes they're easy to spot, and sometimes they're not so easy to spot. But if you will listen to the Spirit of the Lord, and listen to the teaching, and submit yourself properly, and not give yourself over to uh, sneaky things and underhanded things, uh, then you will not be involved in that kind of world. And not being involved in that kind of world, you're involved in the church. And if you get yourself involved in the church, the body of Christ, you're going to find out there's divine protection. It's like an umbrella that the Lord puts over us, figuratively speaking, and He will protect you. He will give you healing when you're sick. He will be there in your time of need. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Adam and Eve made a big mistake, and then they complicated it. They went ahead and then started hiding. And you're not going to hide things from God. God is well aware of what's in your heart, and God knows right where you're at. He knows how to locate you. What you need to do is take some bold steps in the right direction and tell the Lord of glory that you want to be right where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, and grant me your grace and your favor that I can resist the devil, and I know then he will flee from me. And I will not allow him to lead me around in wrong directions and, and break the laws and the teachings and the commandments. What did it say in one place? They have forsaken the right way. Let's do it the right way, the godly way, the holy way, the awesome way, the way of health. You ever read in your Bible about saving health? This great salvation of God, friend, it's got everything you have need of. It is definitely an oh so great salvation. What did the Apostle Paul say? He said, not that I speak in respect of want. 
Well, I got my, you know, sometimes there's something within something as you read the Word of God, and I couldn't help but, but think about uh, in that verse, uh, I speak with respect. That's a good thing to learn, how to speak with respect, how to be respectful, and how not to be a respecter of persons, right? How that you're, you're not partial to one. I'll kiss one and I'll miss the other, right? I'll see one and I won't see the other. I'll shake hands with one, but I won't shake hands with the other, you know. And you can build up a lot of wrong things in your heart and in your life. Uh, we want to uh, be proper in all of our dealings and all of our doings. But I'm telling you, it all is going to start with you getting this great experience. It must start there. Let me turn your attention to the book of Acts chapter 16 as I'm trying to watch the clock and and try to wind down here. Everybody said praise the Lord. Lord. All right. 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Well, I'll begin with verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. It wasn't just the preachers. It wasn't just Paul and Silas when that earthquake hit, friend, from God. But it made an opportunity for everybody. Everybody's bands. Imagine them in the inner dungeon of the prison. That's not the kind of country club prisons we have here today, as bad as they are. They're a whole lot, a whole sight better than what it was like back then. They pretty much dug a hole in the ground and put you down there with a thing over your head. It was so deep and wide you couldn't get out. And uh, if you wanted food, they just, whoop, dumped it right down, and everybody scrabbled for it, including the rats. And uh, so it was not a pleasant experience to be there. But Scripture teaches here that God shook that place. God sent an earthquake. Well, first and foremost, you better know that you're spiritually in prison until you're born again. And you've got to let the Lord shake your prison house. If you want to get out of there and you want to get out of the mess you're in, then you need to turn to the Lord and you need to call upon Him. Paul and Silas gave us a good example. They found themselves in a bad situation. And in finding themselves in a bad situation, they prayed and they sang unto the Lord. Well, friend, you're in a place where we practice praying and singing unto the Lord. This isn't a nightclub, honey. We don't have all them little lights blinking around here and people doing their stuff with a bunch of hoochie mamas. That ain't going on here, friend. This is a place of holiness. This is my Father's house. This is a place of prayer. This is a place of worship. This is a place for true worshipers to come and get in touch with the Almighty God and give to Him the kind of praise that He wants and that He responds to. And when that praise and worship went up, friend, God sent an earthquake and He shook that prison house. He opened the door. He said, you can come on out. And the Bible even talked about him. And after he died on that cross, that flesh died on the cross, that his spirit went to hell and preached to the spirits that were in prison. God can preach to your spirit that's imprisoned by sin and problems and situations. Let God work a work in your life. Don't be among that number when that work is declared unto you that God's doing that you don't believe it. Don't be among that number. You be among that number that has faith. And God's given to everybody the measure of faith. Just don't misplace your faith. Don't put your faith in this world. Don't put your faith in the stock markets. Don't put your faith in the inventions. Don't put your faith in a bunch of people out there and their, their schemes and their empty schemes at that. 
Don't do it. You put your faith in God. You trust in the Lord. You believe in Him. He makes the way. People will give you all kinds of advice and say all kinds of things, and, and, uh, but I'm telling you, my God can do it, friend. He can do things that nobody else can do. When the surgeon has gone his fullest extent and the medicine is gone, it's, you know, 100% that it could do. And yet everything is falling short. Oh, friend, that's when God steps in and he takes over right from there. And he does what we certainly term the miracle. And he's a miracle-working God, and I'm so glad right here in 2011 that he's still doing his miracles. He's still doing his miracles, and I'm so glad for that. And everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, so let's, let's let God shake things up a bit. And when he does, he does it for your good. He's not against you. He's for you. And you know what? The Bible talked in Romans chapter 2. preacher asked me this morning on the phone if I would uh, explain a certain scripture, and uh, that scripture was knowing. Everybody said knowing. Because we know that God is good, because we know that God loves us, because we know that He has our best interests at heart, He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't get pleasure in that. He wants all to be saved. He, they, if you say, I don't know the will of God, let me tell you the will of God. The will of God is for you to be saved. That is definitely in your Bible, okay? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come and be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And all should receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and begin to live a born-again, overcoming life. That's the will of God. And everybody said amen. Well, in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, certainly the last book of the New Testament, chapter 6 and verse 12, and this is very interesting because if you want to know where the rapture takes place, or the more biblically termed the first resurrection takes place, and you might want to pay attention right here, because you have in verse 11... Well, let me go to verse 10. And he had opened the fifth seal according to verse 9. And then verse 10 said, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. So we're witnessing insight to a heavenly conversation. And then verse 12 said, And I beheld, this is John the Revelator, he said, I beheld, he said, I saw this. I beheld. When he had opened the sixth seal, and look what takes place. He said, Lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven they fell unto the earth. Do you have any idea that the stars of heaven are small? They're all bigger than this planet. Okay? And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when he, she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their place. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man 
hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. You know, trying to hide from God. Got a lot of guilt, got a lot of sin, got a lot of fear. They're trying to hide. And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? There's a glimpse into the first resurrection there because the church is not appointed unto wrath. Not at all. So that's what's going to come upon the unbeliever. That's what's going to come upon people who are too busy in this life. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be busy. Oh, yes, I'm all for being busy. But I'm saying about the right thing. Revelation chapter 8, just a, a little page or two over in verse 5, said the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it unto the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And an earthquake. Another page or two, and you're in chapter 11 of the book of Revelation. Verse 13, twice mentions, And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were frightened and gave glory. There you go, gave glory to the God of heaven. That's a wonderful thing because it's also teaching in the book of Revelation that time will come, their hearts will be so hard, their minds will be so against God that they will not repent of their sins and their evil deeds and things that they do. They refuse to tell God they're sorry and they want to change their direction. It'll get such, what did the Bible say? Not just a darkness, but a gross darkness. A hard, callousing darkness. All right. Verse 19 of the same chapter. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testimony, or of his testament, and there was lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake with great, and great hail. Great hail. Wow. God uses earthquakes. We're going to see. Chapter 16, twice in verse 18, it says this, And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not... Since there were, since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. I guess it's going to be the mother of all earthquakes. But it's going to hit, friend. It's going to hit. You want to, out of all of this, you want to get the message. Everybody said, I need, I need to, be to be born again. again. Of water, water and of the Spirit. All right, now being born again of water is to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. To be born again of the Spirit is to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's stand together, shall we? Amen. It's not going to be in your best interest try to scramble and get right or get ready or get salvation or get born again uh, at the last second. It doesn't quite work like that. I've had people say they prayed the sinner's prayer on their deathbed with their last breath. It doesn't quite work like that. 
Can God save somebody at death's door? Oh, yes, he can. But I'm going to tell you the large majority of people that are waiting for that don't know how to be saved anyway. So they're just, they're just trying to employ some last-ditch effort of some applied religion, you know, like applied psychology 101, like applied religion 101. And that's not going to work. While you are got a little breath in your body and, you know, you're here, now's the time. The Bible said today is a day of salvation, which means this time period that we're living in right now. Now is the time to act. Another place said awake to righteousness. Do it now. It's, it's high time. You know, it's really high time. So let's see if we can't do that. Let's see if we can't get God to help us with our hearts and say, okay, God, today's my day. I'm, I'm hoping you'll accept it because I, I realize I need here. I'm in great need. And God can help you. God will have mercy on you, believe me. His mercies are new every morning. And he's right here looking at you. He's in this place. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands to him, heavenward, and worship him. You pray from your heart. Jesus Christ, I love you. And I'm confused and mixed up and I need help. I'm falling short of your great grace and your great power. I have many that I'm responsible for and I want to help them. But first, I got to get the help I need. Come on and help me here, Lord. Help me. I hurt. My heart hurts. I need you. I need you, Lord. I need strength and victory. In the Holy Come on now. Oh, yeah. Come on. Let's worship him. Yes, he is. He's awesome. Lord, you are awesome. Oh, yeah. Lord. 